to be honest, the performance that won it most for me was Kieran Culkin as um, Roman. Roman or Kieran Culkin, Roman. I know you strongly identify with Roman. Roman, 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 Roman. Roman's, I still say that Kieran Culkin's performance was just amazing in this episode. Don't get any of that from Roman. Roman's, 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 Roman, 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 Roman. I've, I've, I've got, I've got a crush on Roman. He no. says, <laughs> really? Did you barely mention him? This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA Succession Season 4, Episode 3, The Wedding. Now there will be spoilers ahead, so stop listening immediately if you haven't yet watched this episode. And come back and listen to the podcast. Your spoiler warning ends here. My name is Adam Henning and this nation has lost a passionate champion and an American titan. To support me through this difficult time, I have a couple of people gregging for me. He's Damius Maximus, Slayer of Vikings. It's Damian Cooper. Bucky Sucky Brigade, how can I help? <laughs> and he likes to whip it out and see if anyone notices. It's Neil Shepek. Oh, uh, so, sorry, I've just got three or four mini Greglets to deal with. I'll be back in a sec. Excellent stuff. Wow. What a big, big episode and brilliantly, brilliantly done. It was draining. Let's get some initial thoughts. Um, uh, it's speechless, clearly. Um, it, honestly, I thought amazing scripts. As I said off recording, there's just too many amazing lines to fit in to the podcast. But to be honest, the performance that won it most for me was Kieran Culkin as um, Roman. I mean, in the past, he hasn't really cared. And he even says in this episode that he doesn't really care. But the love for his dad and how much he wants his dad's approval or wanted his dad's approval if Logan's dead which we'll come to but no i thought his and also shivs as well i thought both well i thought the performances were great but particularly his and shivs i thought was amazing yeah so before i watched this i innocently went onto twitter like an idiot i had a notification someone liked a tweet i made a joke about tetris and it all falling into place uh, please uh listeners you can hear more about that uh, on our, our watch list episode so I went to look at that and then I pressed back and then suddenly someone said, oh, well, I think it's the Times had written an obituary as if Logan Roy was real. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, shit, obviously he's died. So I knew that in advance. I think this episode was exceptional TV. I think what you're saying about Roman and Shiv, I think Shiv was phenomenal. All that stuff going on around that. And I I also really liked Ken as well. Whilst we saw, I mean, we'll talk about it later, obviously, is the kind of, when you look at it in parallel to what happened last episode with the four of them at points and then the three of them plotting and then them brainstorming when they were trying to do what they were going to do with the Pierce News Network and now brainstorming on how the hell they keep control you know, and don't do anything that incriminates themselves. It's a future maybe congressional court hearing 
And then just some really great lines, some really funny moments in amongst it. I guess the only reason that I would put Ronan or Kieran Culkin, he doesn't care about market value, whereas Kendall and Shiv both do. They almost immediately, obviously, they were both upset in their own ways when they found out, but they very quickly go on to market value, whereas Roman, that's not important to him. Like, it's all about losing his dad. And also, he refuses to accept that his dad is dead, kind of like me. I know you strongly identify with Roman. (laughs) I think one of my favourite moments of this was there's a, a particular scene where Shiv just reverts to being like a 10-year-old girl. And it is phenomenal performance. It's yeah. what she does in that moment, I think, yeah. is to, you can see her as, as a child. We talked before about them behaving like children. And, you know, we see Roman cross-legged a, a lot during this episode. But that really just spoke to that whole theme within the show incredibly well. Well, I mean, this this is where we got to see how much they were serious people, right? As ever, it's excruciating. (laughs) I mean, let's stick with the kids for now and Logan, but even Cousin Greg and Tom, so many excruciating moments and, and brilliantly scripted lines. Well, we start with Roman in the car and Logan wants him to come and see the Swede. We're really picking up from where the conversation we left off in the last episode. Obviously... Roman's on his way to Connor's wedding and Logan has no intention of going to it. Let let him know I'll call him when I've got time. Yeah, he's got him some Napoleon and Josephine letters, which I think is nice. It's interesting, but he's not even sure about that, right? So he's not going, he's not even sure about the gift that he's got. He's kind of speaking to his woman, who's, who's probably actually organised all of that. He is not really present, he's not mentally prepared to give anything over to his son's wedding is all about the Swede. And not just that, he also wants Roman to stick a dagger in Jerry's back. Would you give her the heads up? You are with me. You're not just fucking me around. I mean, that's quite harsh, particularly considering some of the things that Jerry and Roman have gone through. Definitely, but I was thinking, I can't remember if I said this last episode, but at the end when Logan was saying, you know, assembling his his war team, he says, leave Jerry out of it. Jerry's not coming with us. And at the time I did think, well, I wonder why Jerry isn't there. Why is he suddenly decided for this big moment, one of his right-hand peoples will not be there? And, of course, it turns out that she's lost her edge. Is Logan pushing his failures onto her because he couldn't possibly be at fault for anything? I think it's because she's a woman. I think that's part that, you know, Logan's problem with strong females. But I think that Logan is only doing this to test Roman's loyalty and his seriousness. He's like, eat a couple of shit sandwiches for me to prove yourself, which Roman later on leaves a message for him calling him out on exactly that. Are Um, you a cunt? Yeah. That's literally what he says. Tell me, are you fucking around me? Are you just being a cunt to me? But we then get Greg at the wedding on the phone to Tom, just checking that Logan doesn't want me to come along. Should I be apologising to him or to Kerry directly? And Tom tells him that Logan finds him visually aggravating. I love that line. I really did. But this is when we get the wonderful lines from from Tom. So uh, Greg says, that's, that's really petty. Do you have all the support that you need? 
<laughs> and Tom says he's got three or four people gregging for him. Mini Gregs from the pig pen, some greglets. Uh, <laughs> Greg's like, I'm not a word, I'm a guy. <laughs> but again, it's just Tom finding another way of putting Greg down. Tom manipulates Greg. Tom constantly plays around with status. And Greg just seems to keep on playing along with it. And even later on, Tom says, I, I need you to sing for me. I, I, you know, I, I need you to get out there that I was there when Logan died. Like he's still abusing and bullying his original Greglet. Yeah, I think also just for the background of this, because we see the kind of opening shot of, I guess, the, or we see the first shot, should I say, of the boat and maybe the dock as well. And there is red, white and blue absolutely everywhere, just short of the Stars and Stripes, isn't it? <laughs> Connor's presidential wedding. Um, <laughs> Which is what, what we all thought the main focus of the episode was going to be. I and mean, we, th- we thought we might get a bit of Matson in there and a bit of deal negotiation. But really, we were all set up for a, a wedding. The wedding was the least important part of the episode in the same way that it was the least important part of their lives. Well, apart from maybe Connor. Yeah, and, and possibly Willa. But we get a scene with Connor and Willa. He won't look at her in case it's bad luck. And she's with a, a lady that I, I wondered at first whether it was Connor's mum, but it's clearly not. Maybe it was Willa's mum. I think it was Willa's yeah. mum. It's definitely Willa's mum. Connor's mum was sectioned, and which is why we then get the loony cake stuff later. Uh, there was a lovely line between Connor and Willa's mum, who's obviously seen that this is Willa's chance to marry into money and is fully behind it. Connor says, Mr. Scrooge just happened to be a huge wealth creator. <laughs> They don't mention that in Mr. Dickens' books, do they? Which was one of my favourite lines of the episode. Oh, same here. I, I absolutely loved that. Well, the next scene is um, is Tom and Logan getting on the plane. And Logan promises to talk to Sid. So not only is he getting rid of Jerry, he's getting rid of Sid, another female. And then they tell... I, I, what, I loved the moment where they told Carolina that Jerry was getting the axe. And her, her oh, OK, reaction. This is where we are today. And I love the line as he was walking onto the plane. Clean out the stores, strategic refocus, a bit more fucking regressive. Which Tom follows up with, you push Sid, Roman knifes Jerry, all in a day's work. And again, I, for me, this was Tom saying, when does my time come? You know? Yeah. They're all on, on that knife's edge, right? Well, they were, but this... they're now on a different knife edge, just to acknowledge the end of the episode. But... Now, how does it play? They they all want their names mentioned in the statement that's given. I think they're all really scared about what the future entails now that Logan's gone, if he's gone. Yeah, well, let's let's deal with that predictions for kind of what's going to happen in the future towards the end. But there's a the, the sort of language around how they're going to get rid of Jerry and, and the optics around that. Again, it's all brushed over, but we'll swing in the legals, begin to let it seep. Pan cruises around her neck, incompetence or worse, she took her eye off the ball, all of that sort of stuff. It doesn't need to be like loads of detail. We'll just sort of say these basic things about why she's been sacked, which, of course, a lot of this episode is is talking about who's going to write the statement about Logan's death. So, again, I thought that was a really nice little little moment that preempted what was to come. 
I'm going to predict right now, Jerry is going to stab Roman in the back. Or in the nuts, maybe. Near <laughs> maybe. Perhaps. Well, like they say, history is written by the victors. So everyone is just making sure that, that they can control the narrative and, and, and have the power, aren't they? You inflatable dicky dick. <laughs> as charged <laughs> we next see Shiv and Roman on the boat then and Shiv's trying to talk to Roman about what's going on he he says let's just enjoy this sham marriage and the death of romance but he then gets cornered by Jerry before he's he's ready and he sort of bumble tells her that she's fired like he's, he's trying yeah. to say let's talk later and she pushes him around this she says, I danced us through a fucking thunderstorm without us getting wet. Well, it's, it's another case that happens quite often in, in succession of a, a man-child being absolutely schooled by a far more competent, far more intelligent woman. But he says, doesn't he, you can go legal if you like. Like the threat is that she mentions the repeated images of his genitalia that he sent her. <laughs> um, and that's kind of always been the threat with Jerry, isn't it, that she might reveal what he, what he did and that there would be a whole situation that arises from that. And I, I guess that's what you're referring to earlier, Neil, about her stabbing him in the back. She has this kind of ammunition, I guess. Do you not think she's just going to get brought back on board? Logan was the one that wanted to get rid of her. I think the three kids don't necessarily dislike her. She is still CEO of the company as things stand. Also, talking about being on board, they then all get on the ship and Roman says, let's get a head start on all the fucky, fucky base people. The thing I love most about the getting on board is that even that was like, so if the people who have red envelopes and our friends and family, if they can come on first, so basically we'll, we'll take the 1% first, the important people, you plebs can wait longer, thank you. This is the moment where we get Roman on the phone to Logan, right, leaving the message. After he's spoken to Jerry, he's clearly upset about having to do what he's just done and probably doesn't think it's the right thing to do. So he calls Logan and tells him he's not okay with it. Are you just being shitty with me? I'm not going to bend over for you being cunty. Are you a cunt? Give me a buzz. And then he gets kidney chopped by Kendall for another childish act, playground behaviour. I love them coming onto the boat, whereas Roman gives verbal smooches to Willa. Kendall's a little bit more authentic in his greeting. But she, he asks how the groom is, and she says he's nervous about you guys, his dad, and he invited the press. Lovely stuff. So we've seen already that he said that he's not happy with the cake. It can be shown, but he doesn't want to see the contents of the cake. And then say about the loony cake, and that's where we find out that when his mother was sectioned... In order to calm him down, he was given some a little bit of Vicky sponge and then that's all he ate for a week. And then so now he obviously has an association, a negative association, yeah. should I say, with Victoria sponge cakes. Before we get to the next corner bit, we get the kids seeing Greg. He's clearly hitting on the woman and Roman just went, oh, you shouldn't talk to him. He likes to whip it out and see if anyone notices. It's a sick game, Greggy. Stop playing it. She's a journalist, right? She's a female journalist that he's talking to. And, you know, he says, Take, taking quotes and kicking asses. Journalism. That's what it's all about. But they don't want to talk or be touched by Greg. They don't want to talk to him, the kids. No. Get your nose out of our trough, they say. Yeah, Totally. Greg's trying to wiggle his way in and they're not having it. Then we get this moment of Connor coming up and seeing the kids and he says that he's expecting Dad to pop by, but he wants the kids to stay up here. So he's got separate parts of the boat. 
for his dad and for the kids. And then one of them's going to have to tell him that Logan's not coming and, and Shiv, the wedding Grinch, gets the job. It's, it's really interesting, actually, because at different points in this episode, each of the kids have, I guess, an important task. So whether it's Roman with Jerry or whether it's Shiv with Connor, they're all given roles. They all have these tasks to complete. Definitely. And I think as they're walking upstairs into that holding pen, that's when Shiv sees that she's getting a call from Tom that she diverts to voicemail. Just quickly before we get to that voicemail or that um, the speakerphone, I think you meant, but um, that, oh, no, 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 you're, you're right. She gets I the am call. right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I had a point that I wanted to make and then I just didn't listen properly to what you said. So <laughs> apologies. But and now I can't remember the point I wanted to make. No, yeah, in, in reaction to what you were saying, Neil, like it hadn't only occurred to me just now that they do support each other quite a lot in this episode, right? And it happens before even that moment of finding out what's happened to their dad. Is but that, that kind of happened last episode. Well, there was still a little bit of bickering and, and, and bits and pieces going on. I think they, they're much more closer in this episode and, and talking about who's going to tell Connor that dad's not coming and, oh, well, I'll do it, and finding the right one of them to do the job that needs to be done. But, yeah, let's get on to this phone call then. I want to open up the question right now. It just seems too early in season four for Logan to pass away. And they were very careful in how they presented it. We didn't ever see Brian Cox on the floor. We might have seen a a double or whatever, but we never saw Brian Cox. And it's just suddenly stopped. And although I do think that it's really important for the story and the narrative of succession to deal with what happens with the kids and everyone else once Logan dies, because that's what succession is. It's about who, who takes over. But I think it's too early. And I'm really, I'm really suspicious that he's playing a game. And this was all done after they had basically gone against him, that this could be a way of them realising how much they love him. And I think he's capable of that as a character. I think they did it really cleverly. And there was a moment where I wrote down in my notes, is this a prank? But I think I'm convinced that he's dead. There was a shot of, you know, of an old man on the floor being given chest compressions and so many people have to be complicit in this for it to not be real including Roman who goes on the plane at the end right but maybe the guys on the plane are complicit maybe Tom's complicit we we know what Tom and all the others are capable of right um so I'd say that I, I believe that he's definitely dead mainly because Brian Cox has been interviewed and he said so and that he can't keep secrets and it's taking everything within him to keep that secret since I think it was June or July of last year. The thing that I find most interesting about this is if we then think about the previous episode where he had his mea culpa, where he apologised to the three kids, was it that he was aware that his health was failing. I mean, we've had these moments previously where he's had falls, he got piss mad, all these things. And deep down, he knew that actually probably his time was coming. 
Right from the start, literally the whole thing started with him having a stroke. His health has always been in jeopardy. I still think that conversation in the karaoke bar was a ploy by Logan to get the kids back on side. But, I, you know, remembering the conversation that he has with Colin, his bodyguard in the restaurant, you know, that was very much about whether there's a life hereafter. I know Grace mentioned that, was it about the life after the deal or, or life after death? I don't think he knew it was going to happen then. I don't think he was that oh, no. that sort of aware of, definitely was something playing on his mind. Okay, so, Damo, you have said you've watched Vince Fuse, Brian Cox, and he said that Logan's died. So I will accept that because we're straight from the horse's mouth, really. If that's the case, we really are coming into the fifth act of succession. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it now. This is this is where everyone starts fighting each other. The siblings will not remain strong. We had a moment at the end of the episode, and, and I think that will be their last moment because after that they all went off in different directions, didn't they? I mean, I, I just want to talk about how this all played out because it was so brilliantly done, the, the level of confusion of what was going on and what was happening, and it all happening so suddenly. You know, Logan's very sick, he's short breath, he's non-responsive, they're doing chest compressions. Carl said he's maybe breathing. And Good also, look. like, Roman's reaction, he just won't accept it. He's like, who's medically trained there? What's the name of the service? You're a good dad. You did a good job. I quite liked Ken's reaction to all this. I think it was a lot smaller, but you could, I felt that you could see the instant regret that this is it. Like, oh shit, I'd gone from being the golden boy. This is all set up for me. You know, these past few years have nearly taken me to the end of my life. Now, dad's going, when on the phone he says, you know, I love you, dad. I can't forgive you. And then he kind of stumbles. It's really interesting that all of them really struggle to share unconditional love. There's always a, but you're a, di- or, but you did this. But that's it. Like Kendall does say, I can't forgive you. He does say, I love you, dad. Yep. He does. And he clearly is grieving the, the loss of his dad, but he does say, I can't forgive you. Whereas don't get any of that from Roman. And even Shiv, there's an element of that, although she doesn't say it in those words. Yeah, Shiv's words were, I love you, please not now, you fucking, no excuses for that, it's okay. And they all kind of said, it's okay, Dad, it's going to be okay. Like they are the parent talking to the child in that in that moment. Um, but I loved, I just loved these these moments of them speaking on the phone to their dad in case it's the last chance that he could possibly hear them. Now, having to do it in front of an audience over the phone is just, you know, it is so perfect because they were, much as Kendall may disagree, but they were estranged from their dad. And to be fair, who can blame them? Because he was a fucking arsehole, right? Yeah, but the people on the plane are lovely people and they made him very comfortable. I think what I would also add is, I think Shiv and Ken have been fucked over far more by Logan than Roman ever was. So I think you're looking at different levels of resentment. So a lot of the stuff that happened to Roman, it appears, happened when he was a child. He was beaten and all that sort of stuff. So that's where his complex comes from. But, you know, Ken was promised this. It was cruelly taken away from him. Shiv was doing something in her own right. 
and was pulled in and then fucked over. So I, th- I think that is also a guide for us to get through their dealing with that news as they get it. I think the tragedy of Roman's situation is that all he wanted was the love of his dad and that he can't remember whether he actually said the words, I, I love you, dad. And also he wants to know whether Logan listened to his voicemails before we had his episode because the last thing that Roman said was, are you a cunt, dad? That's mm-hmm. what's fucking with Roman's head and, and that's why I think it takes him longer than the others to accept that his dad has died because of all that. I mean, the reactions to it all from all three of them, I thought, were fascinating. It, no, yeah, no, I, yeah, amazing performances from all of them. Um, I also love Roman's. I'm just going to do facts. Tell them to do it. Tell them to do it right. <laughs> Who are these medical people? Make sure that it's done. And there's there's almost a desperation there. As you say, if things haven't ended properly for him, and he's absolutely desperate that his dad hasn't passed away. Yeah, well, they're going through the seven stages of grief, aren't they, at, at different speeds, and Roman is very much setting up camp in denial. I think what I, one of the things I really liked is it doesn't matter how well-connected they are, how wealthy they are, Ken can get on the phone to Frank Weber and say, put the pilot on. No fucking chance, mate. The pilot has to fly the plane. You can't boss your way into this one. You just have to accept what's happening. I mean, it wouldn't be succession without some hilarious lines, right? There's a moment where they say, um, can you breathe without a heart? And then his his heart and breathing has stopped for a while. But that doesn't mean he's dead medically. And then Kendall trying to get a conference call organised. He calls his assistant, Jess. Get my doctor get my dad's doctor, get the best heart doctor in the world and an airplane medicine expert, like they exist, (laughs) and conference callers all in. He's trying to arrange a conference call to save his dad, all in the space of two minutes. And it just shows what a world of privilege they're in. They think that they can just talk to the pilot. We've had helicopters that have been cancelled. We've had other helicopters that have gone ahead. And there's boats and, the, you know, I mean, the world they live in. Their helicopter privileges are renewed by the end of the episode. They are. It's a big, big relief. But my big thing throughout all of this early stuff was that no one's fucking told Connor, right? He's the kid that they don't even consider to be a, a son of Logan's. And there's a lovely, lovely moment of Kendall and Shiv going in to tell him and they're holding hands as they go in there. And he's still going on about the cake. But the bit that got me above and beyond any of it in the episode... I know this, gone, gone. Um, when they tell Connor, he says, he never even liked me. I never got the chance to make him proud of me. And I was just like, oh, no! Yeah. No, that got me as well. And assuming Logan's gone, that will never completed that that journey emotional journey yeah let's hope he doesn't become president with all those neuroses <laughs> um one of the things that i found quite powerful then i think is at that point they kind of go upstairs don't they and everyone gets cleared off the top deck by the security it's just as i was saying before it's that kind of seeing the four of them together now compared to the four of them together for connor's bachelor party you know, how things have changed, how the dynamic has kind of changed a little bit as well, how they were really shitting on dad. And now, obviously, you know, there's lots of I don't know what's going on. And I thought one of the things I really loved is 
Roman kind of doing that strange kind of lean forward to half hug Connor. Mm. That same thing again of no one seems to hug him full on. Kendall gives him, a, I think, a proper hug, but no one seems to fully embrace him. Well, Roman's still in denial at that point. Roman's still saying, I mean, we don't know he's gone. We don't know that. I mean, the number of times Roman says, we don't know that. He's so in denial. And I guess to hug Connor in a moment of grief would be to acknowledge that it's a moment of grief. And I'm not sure Roman's actually there. Well, at that point. Speaking of someone else who deals with the grief in in quite a bizarre way. We then get a scene with the the crew on the plane, all the execs, and Kerry coming out. She says, like, what a mess, fucking crazy, so fucking weird. And I wrote down, what what is weird? Is you smiling like some sort of manic fucking weirdo? Well, judging by her grin, she just caught a foul ball at the Yankee Stadium. You know what that means? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, mean, it means you're sat in the crowd and a ball has been hit in baseball and it's ended up in the crowd, so it's therefore a foul ball. It's, it's not on the pitch. Am okay. I right? I don't have no idea. <laughs> I, I think you're mostly there, Neil, with a foul ball. I think it's with baseball, the ball has to hit this imaginary square or rectangle when it's being pitched. It's all very complicated for, for people who don't know the sport and not particularly interesting. Um, <laughs> I think the reason why she smiles like that is yet another callback to last week's episode when she does her her tape, doesn't she? Her audition tape, and she says, there's this weather phenomenon coming in. People might lose their lives. Nervous smile. But their reaction to Kerry, and this kind of shows where Kerry is in the pecking order, right? Because their reaction to her is that basically they ask her to leave. She's like, do you want me to help? No, 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 you're in, you're in shock. You need to go and have a little lie down. We'll get our ducks in a row and then we'll get your in, input. She's basically sort of like, the only reason you were as high up as you were was because you were sucking Logan's dick. And now you are a nobody. So back you go. Off you go. Bye-bye now. Yeah, and also just yet more examples of how on top of it Carolina is. She's the only adult in the room again. Tom's talking all sorts of nonsense. The other guys are kind of covering their backs. And Karen is the only one going, right, well, we, but we need to do stuff. We can't, we can't not do stuff. We have, we have to prepare. Well, it's basically become about market value now and the sale and what everyone's, you know, looking at losing. Just talking about Tom talking nonsense. When he finds out all of this and he gets to speak to his original Gregite, he... He says, stick to Sid like Olympic, delete my folder, mark logistics. Merry Christmas, Greg, you've lucked out. What's at the bottom of your stocking? That old man that fucking hated you, I lost my protector. And I think that says a hell of a lot about his relationship with, with Shiv and obviously with Logan. But was he, was he always Machiavellian? Like, right from the start, did he marry Shiv and get that relationship so that he could be close to Logan? Because that's clearly what is empowering him at the moment. I think Tom is an evil fucker that has been manipulating things, bullying people. There's a lot that he does that is 
not sympathetic at all. I know that a lot of the characters have that in common, but I want to know what was in his folder marked logistics. Probably similar to the the park stuff that he had to delete previously. But I mean, look, from the first episode, he's kind of crawling up Logan's ass, giving him a Philip Patek watch, and he is immediately alphaing Greg from the get-go. It's, and his relationship to Shiv has always been a bit weird. I always felt that once Shiv started talking about it being an open marriage, I didn't think it was necessary that he was upset that Shiv had been with other men more than how it made Tom look. We think this lovely moment of timing where, well, there's a couple of bits. Greg's just heard the news and then the journalist asks him if he thinks his uncle is going to make it, dot, dot, dot to the wedding but also we learn that they've stopped cpr on logan just as the boat leaves (laughs) so the boat leaves the harbor they've learned that logan is probably dead it's just brilliant brilliant timing and that's when they start to draft this statement and the rest of this episode then becomes about who is writing the statement and what's it going to say and that's well they're all out at sea they are indeed Yeah, what I really loved about the next part of this conversation is, I think it's Roman that says, will someone think of the market? But the the conversation that's had between Roman and Shiv, because Ken's gone off somewhere else. Yeah, the conversation, sorry, the thing I'm about to say is, the conversation is between Roman and Shiv, where they're talking about, well, what do we do? Can Can we have him circle around for a bit longer until we get back? No, no, we have to get him down. But if we get him down... And we have to we have to have something ready. And this idea of their dad's died, and even then the plotting is they can't just say right. We need to fucking get him down onto the ground. It's more. Oh, could we have him circle for half an hour? Would that help our our play? I mean, Shiv and Kendall are very much concerned about the market. Roman, not at all. Roman just wants to get a doctor, like a proper doctor. To, to treat his father and literally Kendall says well we've got to be careful not to do anything that restricts our future freedom of movement I mean how self-obsessed is that I think Kendall is brilliant in this moment because he's saying we can't think straight can we keep him up there for a bit Kendall says it's surreal but everything we say today is going in the memoirs the congressional record the board meetings the SEC filings it's highly liable to misinterpretation what we do today will always be what we did the day our father died. But he's saying, let's let's grieve, but not do anything that restricts our future freedom of movement. We need to do this properly. I get what you're saying about Roman, but I think Kendall is, is the one who understands better than Roman does, I think. Okay, so do you respect the person who's more business-minded and capitalist, or do you respect the person who loves someone I've got equal amounts of respect for them. I mean, I, I, I lose respect for Roman for all the dick pics that he's sending and, uh, you know, his, his <laughs> the rest of his behaviour. They're all equally abhorrent and equally lovable in, in my mind. But I don't have a, as much of a favourite as you do, I think. I think it's also important to mention, having, having said that, particularly given the massive cues at Dover, that we know all too well in Great Britain about the value of freedom of movement. <laughs> nice. We think, I think, again, a really lovely scene with Connor and Willa where they're talking about whether they go ahead with the wedding or not. Because everyone will assume it's you backing out. You know, it won't be that we're leaking news necessarily if we cancel the wedding. 
but he wonders whether something good could come out of something bad and he's scared that if they don't get married that she'll walk away and then beautiful honesty between them he's always scared are you just with me for the money and she says there is something about money and safety here but i'm happy i think willa lies by omission in this scene so yes okay it's true she is correct when she says money and safety are part of it but then Every other thing she says, she really struggles before she gives an answer. When he says, you're not going to run away. And she says, oh, no. Oh, no, I won't run away. And it takes every fibre of her being to not say anything. And then she says, well, at least not today is a joke. But we know that it's many a true word said in jest. I believe that Connor and Willa are going to grow old happily together. She says she's happy. Immediately after she admits, honestly, and that is the basis for so many relationships, is to be honest together. She says, yeah, it is about the money and the safety. That definitely plays a part. But I'm happy with this. It depends, I guess, how much she trusts Willa. She struggles so hard to say any of that. It's not like it flows out of her. She's like rolling, she's looking up, she's looking up to the left or whatever it is. All these kind of small things that proves that she is trying her hardest to not lose. She's the one that's caught the foul ball, right? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I was just very, I was very happy for them. I, I loved the fact that they got married in front of very few people because I thought <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Speaking of ceremonies, Kendall says they'll get a funeral off the rack. They'll do Reagan's with tweaks. <laughs> what a line. We, we then get the statement, right? It's all a build up to the statement from there on. There's a moment where I think Roman wants to get a, get a cuddle from Jerry and he doesn't get one. We also find out that there's been a leak. A journalist, you know, makes an inquiry about they've heard something about Logan's health. And someone says on the phone, uh, on the plane, oh, there looks like there's been a leak and then a very guilty-looking flight attendant opens the toilet door. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Greg said something to the wrong person. The children are really focused on being in control until the board has approved a statement. They want to call Matson, And also... <laughs> Sorry, I know I've, 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 got, I've got a crush on Roman. He no, says... No. <laughs> really? You barely mention him. But he says, I'm sad. Right now, I'm totally numb. And he acknowledges his feelings. But who does he tell that to? He tells that to Jerry. He wants a cuddle from Jerry. He wants to feel <laughs> maternal boobs against his chest. Uh, talking about devastated, there's a shot we see before all of that where I think Kerry's come down the stairs and we see her getting into the car and Colin, the bodyguard, is stood and he is absolutely gutted. And I think there is, there's a lot of stuff I've read about that relationship with Colin and Kerry to an extent, but I think Colin more than anyone in Logan's life is someone that just didn't really want anything from him. His job was to protect him. He just did what he was told. He he made sure that Logan was safe. And obviously then in turn, Logan felt safe with him. So it's a very kind of, 
unique relationship for Logan to have because he's not constantly asking for him. He's not constantly jockeying for position. He's just this steady presence supporting him. It's a really lovely, small, but genuine moment, I think, in the, in the middle of all of the chaos. Yeah, I thought it was lovely, lovely stuff. A couple of other bits I noticed towards the end, the fact that they're all wearing formal black suits when they get off the helicopter. You know, they've all worn black to Connor's wedding, but it's it's all quite fitting. There's a shot of the plane that we get after, I think, the, the statement's been made, which reminded me of the poster for the series, like Izzy's theory that they all died in a plane crash or a plane explosion wasn't that far off it, right? That's why the plane was in the poster. It was hinting to what this this episode was all about. Well, there are shutterbugs all over the perimeter and we're looking at a feeding frenzy. So who knows what the media is going to do? And again, ironic that the Logans, uh, sorry, the Roys are all about the media. There's a couple of other really nice moments towards the end. The Kendall and Roman, who is the most fucked competition. You're fucked. No, you're fucked. No, you're more fucked. But also the Roman showing them the drop in share price and saying, there he is, that's dad. It's like this this drop in share price for Waystar is the impact of our dad. That's his legacy. His legacy is numbers on a stock exchange. Yeah, and in between those two scenes is when Shiv speaks to the press. And just the walk, just the walk to the press with that bit of paper in hand, it's just such a phenomenal performance, all of it. Uh, but I think, yeah, that moment particularly was really strong, her reading the statement out, and then they got the question. So she did all that, and then she said, well, I'll be answering no questions. And then someone says, well, what does this mean for the business? And she can't help but give an answer. Because I thought, oh, God, is she going to give away something that's not going to help them in a moment of weakness? But no, she's still savvy enough to play that moment to their advantage. Now, I've written an alternative statement that they could have read at that moment. R.I.P. Logan Roy. Now, fuck off. Nice. It's what he would have wanted. Yeah, brief and to the point. Right, okay, so if we accept, which I think I have accepted, that Logan's dead, we've still got seven episodes. What are you predicting for those? That's a lot of episodes to deal with, well, the succession, whoever succeeds him. Well, the triumvirate will fall apart, and I think the triumvirate will fall apart relatively quickly in a couple of episodes. So I just want to talk about there's that moment as they walk out, I think just after Roman said, look at the drop in the, the price, and the three of them have a hug. And that's quite an important moment because the last time we've seen that in its various forms was in Series 3 at the wedding when Kendall basically was saying that he can't do it anymore and Shiv and Roman kind of hold him. So those are two really pivotal moments of just genuine emotional support and togetherness. And then after that, they all go off in the different directions. Shiv goes off to speak to Tom. Roman goes to the plane and Kendall can't move. He's stuck to the spot. So the episode title of episode four is Honeymoon States. So I think we're going to get an episode of them all dealing with the ramifications of it. But the episode five title is Kill List. So who knows? Who knows what's coming? I do wonder whether we're going to get Logan's will 
at any point, whether there's going to be any surprises in that. But yeah, I'm, I'm not in the market for predictions at this stage. I'm just still dealing with the loss. I was going to say, Marsha's going to have to come back from shopping in Milan for this, isn't she? <laughs> I'm disappointed that you're not in the game for predictions, Adam, because traditionally we've always had a, a game when it's come to what we follow TV-wise. I'm going to suggest we now predict who's the final successor in succession. Okie doke. Do you want to go first? Who could it possibly be, Neil? Who are you going to pick? Well, you both know it'll be Roman. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly think it, it could be. But I am going to go for Roman. Well, I think Grace would almost definitely stick by her guns and say, Greg, I'm going to go with Machiavelli and Tom Wamsgams. I think Grace would be part of my team. Grace's team, Shiv, isn't she? Oh, well, what is great about this is that it's so conflicted. We're waiting to find out how the series will finish. I think that's amazing. I mean, to be honest, I'd actually love if Cousin Greg ended up being the, the overall successor to the business. I think that would be a great story. But yeah, God, Kendall, Shiv, Connor, Roman, who knows? Who knows? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds, really, to think about your favourite line of the episode. And in the meantime, I'll let you know that you can grieve with us on the social media at TVDNAPod or email TVDNAPod at gmail.com if you want to share your thoughts on the episode. And we have got upcoming episodes on The Mandalorian, on Ted Lasso and on Yellow Jackets, plus our weekly spoiler-free watchlist episodes on the best new TV out there. Demo? Yeah, uh, yeah, you can find us at TV DNA Pod. Actually, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I know what you're asking. Uh, sorry, say it again. Are you, are you ready, Demo? Yeah, if you can, you just say Demo. Demo. Okay, well, don't turn me into a word, Adam. I'm a guy. Neil, you inflatable dicky dick. And I'm going with sing my song, Merry Christmas, Greg. What's at the bottom of your stocking? An old guy who fucking hated you. Cheering. <laughs>